we're kicking off a brand new series, Unshaken. We're going to be talking about how we can live life unshaken whenever life has us all shook up. And so uh, I'm excited to jump in because life can come at us hard sometimes, right? I mean, we get setbacks, we have heartaches, we have pandemics and there's fires and there's, there's distance learning and the list goes on and on and on. And as a result, we can get, we can get all shook up. It reminds me of this time that uh, my wife Tiffany and I, before we were married, still in college, we went on this trip to St. Louis to this, this amusement park called Six Flags. And, uh, and I'm not a huge amusement park fan. I'm not a huge roller coaster fan. Uh, a couple reasons. One, because I'm 6'6", and I literally cannot fit on many roller coasters. Like that, that lap bar just will not go over, won't go over my legs. And so I just, I just can't even fit on the roller coaster on many of them, which is okay because I also get motion sickness. So like I can keep my man card intact and just say I'm not going to ride because I won't fit. Uh, however, Tiffany and I were dating. I mean, before Tiffany became my Tiffalicious, uh, I'm trying to put my best foot forward. She loves roller coaster rides and, and our friends were all about it as well. And I'm like, well, I, I would, but I just, I can't fit. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, and then that's when it happened. We turn the corner and we see this monstrosity of a, a roller coaster ride called the Batman ride. And the difference with the Batman ride is it wasn't a lap bar that came over your knees. It was a harness that came over top while your feet dangled as you twist and turn and fly through the air with your feet just, just hovering above the ground. And, uh, and rather than me just try to describe it for you, I thought I would actually show it to you. This is the Batman ride in St. Louis, Missouri. Check this out. So here it is. I mean, like if you've been on a roller coaster ride, like you know what this means, right? I mean, you're climbing up the hill and like it's, it's about to come. Uh, little do we know, like this was 2019, uh, maybe January of 2020, maybe, maybe February of 2020, and then, then like March, of 2020 hits, right? And like the unexpected happens, like we enter into this, this global pandemic and we go for this unsettling ride that really none of us envisioned. And then it just, just takes off like this. Some twist, not too bad, gaining some speed. April happens, backflip, Easter, not in person. Right, on through the summer, no, no travel, vacation plans disrupted. Oh man, how long are we gonna be in shelter in place? List goes on, right? 2020, a visual aid, unexpected, twists and turns, jostling, teeth rattling, eyes watering. And I wish you could hear the audio. We would play the audio, but I'm a little reluctant, a little gun shy uh, after having some, some videos taken down from the live stream. Uh, but if you could listen to that video, you would probably hear some people screaming uh, and some would be dudes uh, cheering. Uh, others would be females with high pitched voices. Uh, that's probably how my voice sounded as I was riding on Batman, screaming like a little girl because it was terrifying, right? The roller coaster ride of of my life, probably the longest two minutes uh, of my life. But that's how life is, right? You're walking along, you're trying to, to have fun, you're trying to live life, and there comes some twists. Here comes some turns. Here comes some, some, some head over heels backflip. I mean, breathtaking drops at one Jew at lightning speed, and you're like, can we talk about this at least? And it leaves you spinning, out of control, whipping you around, shaking you up. And as a result, you're all shook up. 
And, uh, and, and I don't know about you, but when I got off that ride, like M- Tiffany and our friends were like, hey, let's go again. I'm like, I'm just going to have a seat and like try to regain my composure. And a lot of us are at that place right now, right? Like we're, we're all shook up. Uh, you're starting to deal with a, maybe a health issue throughout this crisis. Maybe depression or an accident happened. I mean, the global pandemic happened. That's enough to leave any of us shaken up. If we lose someone that we love or we lose something that we love, there's an unexpected pregnancy that enters your life. There's an unexpected pregnancy that doesn't enter your life. You're teaching your kids. You're the cafeteria cook. You're the PE coach. Uh, you're the parent. And you also have a job with your computer right next to your screaming kids as you try to teach them a lesson and you do some work so you can keep paying these bills that keep mounting up. I mean, there is fires all around us right now in California, and it just has us, it just has us all, all shook up. And when we're all shaken, when we're all shook up, we can ask these questions like, like where is God in all of this? I mean, does he, does he even care what's taking place right now? Maybe, maybe he's mad at me. Uh, if God is for me, why does it feel like everything else is piling on against me? If you've ever felt that way, I want you to know that, man, you're online today with a lot of other folks that have felt that way and many currently feel that way as well. And you, you are not alone. Even the Bible is, is chalked full of people who have situations and seasons of life that leave them all shook up. And today we're going to talk about one such person named Elijah. And uh, this coming series, we're going to look at how Elijah dealt with life's uncertainty, how, how Elijah himself, this man of great faith, great power, uh, gets all shook up. And so if you're shaken today, it doesn't mean you're not spiritual. It doesn't mean you don't have faith. It means that, that you're experiencing life. And suffering is certainly a part of life. And so in this series, Unshaken, we're going to learn how to navigate times that leave us, leave us all shook up. And so here's the big idea. If you hear nothing else, I hope you hear this. If you've zoned out, I invite you to, to lean back in. If you're doing dishes, why, might pause for a moment. If you're, you're playing on social media, I get it. I know what it's like watching these things online. It's, it's hard to lean in all the time, but I would invite you to lean in for this moment because here's what, here's what I hope we focus on. Here's what I'm trying to focus on this week. Here's the big idea. Our circumstances do not define God's love. Let's be people who do not allow our circumstances to define our perspective of God or his love in our life, but rather let's allow his love to define our circumstances. Jesus actually said this himself, like in this world, you're going to have trouble, but you can take heart because I'm bigger than your circumstances. I'm bigger than what's, what you're currently facing. Like the God within you is bigger than any challenge that's facing you. And so we can approach life and not allow our circumstances to define God's love, but rather we can, we can allow his love to define our circumstances. And church, I hope we apply that. I'm trying to apply that to my life this week, and I hope you will too. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. So, so, so before we dive in, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to, to 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 3. Uh, you can pull it up on your mobile device if you, you got that handy. You can pull out the, the old-fashioned Bible, right, that is still probably the best way to read the Bible. Just open the Bible, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 3. But before we pull it up on the screen for you as well, I want to talk to you about Elijah. 
Now, Elijah was a prophet in the Old Testament. He was a man of great faith and power, as I've mentioned. God did 14 miracles through this man named Elijah. Elijah is one of two people in the Old Testament that didn't die a natural death. Like, he didn't get taken out by cancer. It wasn't a heart attack. Like, God thought so highly of Elijah that he took him to heaven in a chariot of fire. It's amazing. You got to read it. But I'm just saying, Elijah was, was, was that, that, that spiritual. Like Elijah was, had that prominence, had that prestige, had that clout uh, with God. And yet we find him unshaken. Elijah actually appears in the New Testament even. He, he's on this mountain called this, referred to as Mountain of Transfiguration. He appears with this guy named Moses. And he's talking to Jesus. And like the disciples see this. And it's, it's Elijah, like the Elijah right there. And I'm just saying, Elijah, it was a big deal. But, uh, but Elijah comes along at this moment in history where the nation of Israel is, is no longer following the creator of the universe. They're not following the true God. Uh, there's this wicked king by the name of Ahab. And Ahab, he, he marries this woman by the name of Jezebel. Jezebel, uh, she's, she's a crooked lady. I mean, she sets up idol worship throughout the nation of Israel. She brings in all these, these false prophets and these, these spiritual leaders of this really idolatrous religion and tries to turn the whole nation of Israel away from the one true God to all these false gods. And Elisha is the spiritual leader in the nation of Israel at this time. He's a prophet. And so Jezebel starts killing all the prophets like Elijah. And so Elijah goes to Jezebel, goes to Ahab and says, hey, let's have this showdown. Like, let's go to Mount Carmel. And it, it sounds like a mountain out of Willy Wonka, uh, but it's actually a mountain in the nation of Israel. You can go there and see it for yourself today. And it was on Mount Carmel where Elijah has this showdown with 450 false prophets. And uh, you have to read it for yourself, but the long story short is God comes through, Elijah wins, amazing victory. This real mountaintop moment. And so Elijah's thinking, man, God showed up in power. He showed up in such a strong way. Who could deny that this is the true God? And, and, and he thinks Ahab's going to turn back to God. He thinks Jezebel's going to turn back to God. He thinks the nation of Israel is going to turn back to God. But he comes right off of that mountain experience only to have Jezebel confront him and say, hey, Elijah, I'm coming to kill you. You took out my prophets. I'm going to take your life. And that leaves Elijah all shook up. So now let's pick it up in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 3 through 4. And here's what it says. Uh, Elijah was afraid. I mean, he is, he's, he's shook. He's afraid and he fled for his life. And he went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, where he, he left his servant there. Now, we might not pick up on this if we're just reading through it, but, but here's what basically Elijah is doing. He is turning in his resignation. Uh, prophets don't need servants if they're no longer in ministry. You don't need a staff if you're, you're turning in your resignation. He's saying, hey, I'm going to go on. You might as well just stay here because I think I'm, I, I'm done here. He is over it. And then he went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat under a, a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. Like, God, I am done. I mean, you talk about being all shook up. That's where Elijah is. And he says, I, I, I've had enough. I've had enough. Have you ever been there where you're like, 
tapping out. God, I, I've had enough. This word is an interesting word in the original language. In, in Hebrew, it's, it's uh, basically rob. I mean, you got to get some, you kind of got to clear your throat to get there to that one. But, but basically, I say that to, to say this word means too much, it, too long, a bountiful in a negative way. And so Eliza's saying, this has gone on too long. I've, this is too much for me to handle. I've had enough. And man, I know many of you watching this, you're at the same spot. It's taken too long. I'm not sure I can hang on. I, God, I've had enough. The Lord said to him, he said, he said I, I've had enough. Like, God, I've had enough, he said. And here's what he said, take my life. Like, I'm, 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 all, I'm done. I'm too shaken. I, I'm no better than my ancestors who are already dead ahead of me. One small change leads Eliza from a, a, a hero to a zero. He goes from this mountaintop to a very dark valley. He goes from this place of community to this place of isolation. This place where, where he felt like everything was finally coming together, only to feel like everything is now falling apart. Have you been there? Have you ever said, I, I've had enough, Lord? I mean, Elijah is done. And believe it or not, that's the first step to trusting God when we're all shook up. So I've given you the verse. Here's the point. First step, number one, if you're taking notes, invite you to fill in this blank. Admit you've had enough. If you're at a place where Elijah was, all shook up, the first step that we need to take is what Elijah does. It just says, God, I've had enough. Let's admit we've had enough. You know, they say confession is good for the soul. And so I, I dug some digging and uh, found some confessions of folks that, that had too much to eat in one setting. They were sharing these confessions of moments they're not, not real proud of. And, and I think we could all say, man, we've been there. Like we've left the restaurant and said, oh man, mistakes were made, right? Uh, here's what the first person says. Uh, I bought a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts parked somewhere and where there was no one around and then ate in silence. Well, there were some soft moaning. <laughs> Have you ever eaten too many Krispy Kreme donuts? I mean, those things are basically like air anyway, right? So it's like, ah, one more probably won't, one more probably won't hurt. This next person writes this. Uh, I told my wife I was going to the gym, but, but somehow I ended up at McDonald's instead. I ate my cheeseburger and waited for what seemed to be long enough for a workout. Uh, when I got home, I poured water on my head and my shirt to make it look like I was sweating. This is the absolute saddest thing I have ever done. <laughs> uh, confession's good for the soul, right? Like we can get some stuff off our chest and we just all of a sudden feel, feel better. Here's what the last person writes. Uh, once I ate almost an entire bucket of cheese balls. I mean, you just think about what that does to your digestive tract, right? <laughs> then I sat there in my orange shame, reflecting on the choices I have made. <laughs> to keep my fingers from getting orange and gross, I ate them with a shame spoon. <laughs> End quote. Uh, sometimes we just got to confess our lowest moments. And that's where Elijah is. He tells God straight up, I'm done. Like I have had enough. I want to die. I'm no good. I've lost faith. I'm not even sure I trust you anymore. These are scary things to admit, but they, when you're all shook up, it's even more scary if you don't talk about it. The first step in every recovery program is to admit you're powerless. Admit 
you're done. Confess, I've had enough. God will, will not be shooken up by how you feel. And honestly, the only place where God meets us and begins to lead us to a new place is when we get gut honest with him. Here's what we know to be true these days. Here's what we know about stress and anxiety taking place in our current reality. The data shows that one out of three of us watching this online today is struggling deeply with anxiety or depression. One out of three. I mean, you think about your, those who live in your household and do the math. You think about those in the room with you now and do the math. You think about your team, do the math. You think about, about your teachers and, and, and going back to school and, and one out of three of those individuals are struggling deeply with anxiety and depression. The data shows that mental health hotlines have seen a 40% increase since COVID-19 hit and 75% of that 40% increase is, is found to be from people who are of the ages 25 years old or younger. I'm just saying there's a lot of people who are all, all shook up. There's a lot of us online right now all shook up. And part of my hope is that we just begin to have the conversation. Let's just begin to admit whenever we're all shook up that, that we're shaken. And let's try to figure out how to how to get some help. You know what? I was listening to a podcast this week and they were saying that, you know what? Having to talk about anxiety these days with young people is, is just as, if not more important as having the sex talk with young people. And, uh, and I was thinking about that. They're probably pretty similar because you never feel qualified and it's always awkward, right? But parents, if you got young people, lean in, ask how they're doing. How's their mental health in this season of life? And you say, well, how do I begin to even tiptoe into those waters. Well, I would invite you to use this message as a catalyst to that conversation. Just say, hey, I heard this, man. One out of three. How are you doing? How are your friends doing? Are there anyone you know that's struggling in this area of your life? And let's, this dialogue to begin to, to just acknowledge, man, some of us, we're really struggling. Let's talk about it. I heard from, uh, on a podcast from Kara Powell, and here's what she would suggest. She, she works at uh, the Fuller Youth Institute. She's the executive director there. And she suggests for, for parents, for uh, team leaders, um, uh, for, for individuals to have this conversation around the mental health of those around them and use a sliding scale. She would suggest that uh, if you say, hey, on a, on a one low, 10 high, how are you doing? And just see how they respond. And she would suggest that if, if they would say, hey, I'm a four, she would say, well, hey, you need to have some conversations and, and continue to work out whatever is causing that anxiety uh, in their life. If, if they say, hey, I think I'm a five or above, then it's probably a good idea to get some outside, uh, more experience, maybe even professional help to help that individual so they don't come to this place where Elijah was, where they're like, I'm done, I'm over it, I'm, I, I'm ready, I'm ready to die. But that's where Elijah is, this man of great faith, great power, all shook up. And when you're all shook up, you learn that God is the foundation that cannot be shaken. When we anchor ourselves in him, we'll discover, even when we're all shook up, that he is the foundation that cannot be shaken. So I don't know what has you feel like saying enough today. I know I have my list. Uh, maybe it's an anger issue. Maybe it's a, a disappointment. Maybe it's some, some weariness in 2020. You maybe found yourself having a hardship or, and waiting for something new to begin. And let's just get into a new season and get all this 
behind us and that can leave you saying enough. Or maybe it's week one of distance learning where you're ready to say <laughs> enough, right? But whatever it is, so often we feel this way. We, we get frustrated and we get angry with God. And I just want to let you know, I, I think that's actually okay because you're in good company. That's where Elijah was. And God can handle your anger. He can handle your, your impatience. He can handle your attitude and he can work with you in your helplessness. But let's recognize in our lives, let's remember that, that even in the most trying circumstances, even when we feel like we are shaken, let's not allow our circumstances to define God's love of us. Let's allow his love to define our circumstances. So the first thing we're going to do is admit that we're done, admit we've had enough. The second thing that we're going to do is release our expectations. We've got to release our expectations back to God. It's been said that uh, discontentment is found in the gap, right? So if my expectations are up here and the reality of my life is here, however big that gap is, that's where there's, there's anxiety, that's where there's tension, that's where there's frustration. If you have really high expectations of your spouse and the realities down here, there's tension in your marriage. If you have expectations of your kids and your realities down here, then there's tension with your, your kids and your parenting relationship. If your expectations of your vocation and the realities here, if your expectations of 2020 is here, realities here, I'm just saying, like, you get the idea. A little redundant there, but, but there's a lot of tension. And so in this season, maybe it's a good idea for us to recalibrate our expectations. It reminds me of this joke. This guy, he went golfing. His wife comes home. His wife's like, hey, how, how, babe, how was golf? And he says, well, it was, it was pretty good until Fred passed out on hole number six. And she's like, oh, no, like, is, is Fred okay? And he's like, yeah, it was, it was all fine except for all day. It was hit the ball, drag Fred, hit the ball, drag Fred, hit the ball, drag Fred. And sometimes uh, it can be hard. Like sometimes life can be like that. Right? Like, I mean, you admit your feelings, you, you admit your disappointments, even loss, you admit your helplessness, but we still cling to our expectations and we cling to the way that we think God should be acting in our life right, right now. Uh, but here's what, uh, and so in a way, we're just continuing to drag, we're dragging Fred through life with us. And, and that can be hard, that can be exhausting. And when you feel like you're all shook up, here's what we want we want quick solutions. We want clarifying pathways. We want valid explanations. But, but here's, there's no guarantee that God's going to do that on your schedule or my schedule. He shows up in ways that we don't expect. But here's what you do need to know. He does show up. And, and what I've found in my own life is that God may not meet my expectations, but he always meets my needs. God often does not meet my expectations, but he's been faithful to meet my every need. That's actually what this, this writer in this book called Psalms made this statement in the Bible. In Psalms uh, 37, 25, it, it says this. It says, As I was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. He's like, I was young, I've lived a long life, and here's what I found to be true. God doesn't always meet every expectation, but he always comes through and meets your every need. He, you always have what you need. Not always what we want, unfortunately. Uh, so 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, beginning in verse 5 and, and 6, we're going to continue uh, reading this, how, how Elisha recalibrates his, 
his expectation. Here's Elijah, and so he laid down and he, he slept. You're going to see a reoccurring theme here, some rest, some sleep, some, some rejuvenation. He, he lay down to sleep under a broom tree, uh, but, but he, while he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up, eat some food. He looked around, and, and there beside his head was some, some baked bread on hot stones and a jar of water. So he, he ate and he drank and he lay down again. And it goes on to say, Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up, eat some more, or your journey ahead of you will be too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank. And the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to, to Mount Sinai, like I mentioned before, the mountain of God. And there he came to this cave where he spent the night. The first thing out of that that I would just like to make an observation on is this. Are you getting enough rest in this season? There's a lot of things that have all of us shook. But are we taking care of ourselves? Are you sleeping enough? Uh, you know, there's a lot of research, there's a lot of data that shows like we're one of the most sleep depraved cultures in the history of humanity. That many of us on this, watching online right now, the, maybe the most spiritual thing that we could do today is actually go take a nap. And uh, how's that for an action item in a message? But, but that's true. That's real talk. For some of us, we just need to get some sleep. For others of us, we need to say, hey, what's, what's our food intake been like? Am I eating enough? Am I eating healthy? How, how am I doing? And, and here's what I think this highlights for us, that a lot of times uh, our physical realities impact our spiritual realities, impact our mental, mental space. And I think what, what God is showing Elijah is like, Elijah, you need to take care of what is in your control and release to me everything that is not in your control. And in 2020, one of the biggest challenges I have faced, and I'm assuming some of you have faced as well, is just focusing my attention, focusing my mental energy on things that are within my control rather than the whirlwind of things that are outside of, of my control. I cannot control COVID-19. I cannot control the economy. I cannot control the election. I cannot control the school year. I cannot control that illness. I cannot control the fires. I cannot control people, but I can control myself and I can control my attitude and so can you. And so how are you doing with the things that are within your control? So often we think of, of suffering when we face an interruption to our plans and, 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 and man, life is is marked by suffering. I think I read a blog recently that said we are the first uh, human race, we're the first generation on the face of this earth to live with such an optimistic utopia view of life. Every generation prior expected suffering. We're the first generation to say, man, I cannot believe how uncomfortable this is. They expected it, we push back, we push back against it. And uh, suffering's a part of life, but, but suffering is not just a distraction from life. And when you find yourself all shook up, you need to trust that God has you where you are. We wake up the next day and God will, will help you along your way. But, but what I'm trying to say is, is don't do it in your own strength. Go to him, he'll help you. But let's admit that we've had enough. Let's just take control of what is in our control and recalibrate some of our expectations. And things will be confusing Often we'll feel insufficient, 
But as we release those expectations, you will have what it takes to get to where God wants you to be. Let's focus on, on, when we think about our circumstances, let's view our circumstances in light of God's love, not filter God's love in light of our circumstances. And then finally, here's the final observation. Number three, if you're taking notes, listen for the whisper. Listen for the whisper. So Elijah, he reaches this cave and he spends the night there and and that's when it happens. I mean, God shows up. But rather than, than bringing clarity, rather than providing a plan, rather than just giving him a clear pathway forward, and rather than even asking the questions that Elijah has, God asks Elijah a question. And here it is in 1 Kings 19. We'll pick it up in, in verse 9. Uh, but the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now this is, this is kind of a, a comforting question, and it's also a a confronting confession, question. Uh, Elijah, God's like, hey, Elijah, like, what are you doing here? Like, how, how can I help you? He's also kind of saying, like, Elijah, you've had 40 days to think about this. Elijah, like, are you still in this downward spiral? Like, Elijah, have I let you down? Like, Elijah, did, where have I disappointed you? Where have I left you astray? Where have I given you a promise and not not come through. I'm like, Elijah, lay it, lay it on me. And for some of us, this would be a healthy practice for us to apply this week as well. And so Elijah doesn't hold back. He, he lays in and he tells God exactly what's going on. Elijah replied, I, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. They have torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Like Elijah's like, God, I thought after Mount Carmel they would turn to you. I thought the nation would come back. Now they're still just as wicked as before. Matter of fact, they want to kill me. Like my expectations were up here, my reality's down here, and that's my problem, God. Like that's why I'm upset. And so you see, see Elijah had fallen into this trap that most of us do. We see God in the big things uh, and the noisy things, the things that, that happen that are really great. And we celebrate that, the things that happen that are really tragic. Then we, we pray and, and we should do all those things. But I think God is going to give Elijah an object lesson that all of us can learn from. And that is that God is not only present in the really big things, the really bombastic things, He is also present in the very small things, in the details of our lives. So God gives Elijah this object lesson in chapter 19, verses 11 to 12. And here's what God says. He says, go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And Elijah stood there and the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain so much that it, that it trembled and, and blasted the rocks. The rocks were torn loose, and, and, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there, there was an earthquake, and, and the Lord was, was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. Well, isn't it funny that, that we call earthquakes and, and, and fires and great great storms like acts of God, but in this narrative, God was not in any of those great displays of power. Rather, he appears to Elijah and he shows up in a a gentle whisper. 
And maybe that's for some of us to hear. Like we're looking for God in, in the midst of COVID-19. We're looking for God. Where is God in the midst of the fire? Where, was, where is God in the midst of all the racial injustice that's taking place in our world? And maybe we've magnified those things so much that we cannot hear the gentle voice whispering to us where God's trying to communicate some, some things to us, but our fears, our anxieties, our expectations are so loud we cannot hear his voice any longer. But whenever he does whisper, when we do hear that whisper, I just think it's interesting to, to note from Elijah's story that God's not shouting to Elijah about his failures. God was not abandoning Elijah in his suffering. He was whispering to him in the midst of it. And I think he's whispering to you and I today as well. He's not angry, but he's gentle. And sometimes our fears, again, our expectations are so loud, it's hard for us to hear what he's saying. But today, my hope, my prayer for you, for me, is that some of those noises in our life would dissipate so we could, could elevate that whisper of God's voice in our life once again. So Elijah was all shook up. He thought it was all over, but it wasn't the end of the game. It was simply the halftime. And he goes into the second half and he runs his race with more perseverance, more tenacity, more trust than what he had in this shaken season. And I think the same will be true for you. I'm praying the same is true for me as well, that we, we come out of 2020 stronger than what we came into this season as. That we'll, we'll develop some new muscles of faith and trust and discipline in this season that we would have never developed otherwise. Elijah emerges from, from his wandering season unshaken, even when life had him all shook up. And if we're honest, I think we, we would be willing to admit that we want God to get on the same page with us, right? Like today, there's some expectations that I have of God where I'm like, God, would you do this? Maybe you have some expectations of God and, and our expectations are up here and reality's here. And we're like, God, would you get on the same page? God, would you come through for us in this way? Would you, would you pick my side, God? But here's the reality, like Jesus didn't come to pick sides. He comes to take over it all. He wants to be in charge of it all. Like we call him the Lord for a reason. That's because he's the ultimate authority. Like he is the king of kings. He's the CEO of the universe. He calls the shots. He makes the final decisions. And whenever we get on the same page with him, with his plan, and I recognize that requires a whole lot of pivoting along the way. But when we get on the same page with him and submit to whatever he wants, we have this foundation for our lives that is unshaken because the only thing that's certain the only thing that can be unshaken is God himself and we can live unshaken because the God within you is greater than any challenge that's ahead of you so how do we reach out to God how do, how do we recalibrate in this season when we're all shook up well let's remember that we need to admit when we've had enough. Let's get honest with God and get honest with ourselves. Second thing we need to do is to release some of our expectations. Let's focus on things we can control and not on everything else that is outside of our control. Let's see your suffering not as an interruption, but it's actually a part of the journey to bring you closer to the creator of the universe, to bring us closer to God. And then finally, let's listen, let's lean in for that whisper. What is God saying to you today? He's trying to speak. 
How do we lower the noise and elevate his voice? God does not speak to us in the noise of our failures and disappointment. He speaks through the noise, showing us that he is the unshakable foundation in this world that when everything else seems to be, be falling apart. And this week, let's challenge ourselves. As I'm challenging myself, I invite you to accept this challenge as well. Let's not allow our circumstances to define God's love. Rather, let's look at our circumstances in light of God's love, in light of his power, in light of his sovereignty, in light of his goodness, in light of his mercy, in light of his faithfulness, in light of his faithful history. Like, has he been faithful to you in the past? Listen, he's going to come through once again. Let's filter our circumstances through his faithfulness. Let's pray. Well, God, we thank you for being so faithful. We thank you, God, that in the midst of 2020, in the midst of times that are leaving all of us shaking to varying degrees, that God, you are the unshakable foundation of our lives. And God, we need you. So Father, I pray right now that you would speak to your church, wherever they are, with family, by themselves, in a park, in a living room, in a commute, maybe. God, I pray you'd speak to them. Now, God, we'd hear that, that, that gentle whisper, that still small voice giving us clear next steps that you desire for us to take in our lives today. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.